Hey, welcome back to another Conversations in Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Asher Gray, sitting in with Kate, Ken, Ken, K-Dizzle, back from the fizzle. How yep. you doing today, Ken? Good. Good? Yeah, I'm okay. Fuck yeah, I love I'm that. Alive. You, Ken, Ken is uh, flying in solo today. Last week he was here with his friend, and that was cool. Uh, and it was cool. We actually were able to talk pretty candidly considering your yeah, friend was there. I, I yeah, thought, I, it, was, I, it was good. She did well with all that, I thought. Yeah, it, it was, and I talked to her after. She seemed to enjoy it for the most part. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's a good testament, yeah. it's a testament to her. So we're going to get more into that after we do the reading. The way that we were formatting uh, these new – like. I'm working really hard on putting together a book right now, and there's there's two practices. There's and, and actually, it's interesting. What I'm realizing is that, like, and this might sound a little out there, but just kind of like hear me out on this. I feel like we might be in one, like an atom. Like I feel like all this might be an atom, and each one of us might be like a proton, an electron, or a neutron. And I feel like what's going on right now is people are addicted to trying to be positive. And that there's a group of people on the planet that are like protons and they are positively charged and that's great. And then there's a bunch of like negatively charged electron type people. And that's like, I mean, I don't mean to put people in categories, but my roommate strikes me as someone who might be an electron, you know, and that's cool. They have a specific perspective and it's cool and I get to learn things from them. But if I'm around that energy too long, I'm a neutron, I feel like. And I, I, me being more of like a neutron, I feel like my job on the planet is to maintain my vibrational integrity and remain a neutron, which means I can go out to negative a little bit. I can go out to positive a little bit, but really I'm I'm more of a centered kind of a person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I feel what's happening right now. And I feel like what this book might be for specifically are those people who are neutrons that are living inauthentically and outside of their vibrational integrity yeah because if you're surrounded by so neutrons are also by nature i would imagine because if you think about neutrons our whole job is to kind of balance out the 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 the, the electrons and the protons and if we're trying to be inauthentically trying to act positive rather than really staying in our, our waveform, staying in our vibrational fre- frequency as neutrons, then we're, we're not doing our job. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You anything? I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think um, I'm much like that as well. And I find myself playing like the devil, devil's advocate mm-hmm. on either side mm-hmm. to balance things out especially yeah. in group situations. Um, yeah. But if we don't know that we're a neutron and we're like, why aren't I acting more positive or why am I being such a thing? Like, you know, if we don't know that our like, I'm, I'm like 48 years old and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm a neutral neutron kind of person. And so that gives me a lot of things to be like, okay, cool. Like just work on maintaining my vibration and be that for the world. I don't need to try to, cause I think a lot of people, like you said, like you play devil's advocate. Like I can kind of go into the devils and the detail stuff and I can kind of shed light on things. And that's why, okay. And getting back to the processes. So writing the book of mantras specifically for the protons that they don't really give a fuck about the devil and the detail stuff. They just want to be protons. You know what I'm saying? And then there's the devil and the detail people that all they care about is like the devil and the detail stuff. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then there's be like, you know, um, so, but the crux of it all, like what we're up against, and you can call it the human condition, 
you can call it the are you like sending text or are you on the reading okay like we could call it the human condition some people call it i mean what are some different names for this um life on earth in a body yeah. in a meat car yeah like does someone shared it the meaning uh, our friend katja she's like i have this huge amazing spirit and it's like crammed into this bony car you know what i mean it's uncomfortable and so there's like suffering the human and this process is for spiritual beings who have taken on these meat cars or these vehicles and are having human experiences they're 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 willing to experience life inside this human vehicle but they're spiritual beings mm -hmm. they're not animals that have ascended to the top of this animal kingdom right and are reaching for this like spiritual thing no like i'm a fucking spiritual being that like here's your meat car go to earth figure it out me right I mean, I think a lot of us are just on like roller coasters as far as like spirituality and uh, positivity and negativity goes. But I think some people like get from the bottom and go to like a high in their roller coaster and get to this state of positivity and think like, oh, I made it. I'm here now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're always going back and forth. And I think like what I found is my roller coaster is not as you know up and down and i've got more of like a steady pace i'm not going from these you know crazy highs to lows and back and forth and i'm just kind of like you know i still have ups and downs but it's not nearly as drastic as it used to be when i was you know younger or using and drinking and trying to emulate protons or electrons yeah i mean i never i don't know if i've if I try to, I mean, I'm not saying consciously, but right. I'm trying to emulate these other people rather than staying in my waveform as a, right. as, like now you're knowing your vibrational integrity and you kind of live in that. Cause it feels to me like whenever I try to go up, like I'm just going to be the best. Then there's a crash from that. Right. That's cause that's not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So I feel like that. And then that just keeps going and that's the pendulum that keeps swinging. And then we're just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on that roller coaster ride right. a lot. And now you're, you're, you're describing it going, I mean, people could see this, but there's kind of like, what is that ride that's at Six Flags? It kind of, well, it's like that boat that goes back and forth. It goes, and then it comes down. Right, and then right. as it starts to get towards the end of the ride, I mean, it's way up there. And then there's just high peaks and low valleys. And then as the ride starts to come to an end, it starts to just sway a little bit port and starboard and port, starboard and port. And then it just levels out to yeah. nothing again. And I think for people that are on on that roller coaster, you know, to the extreme, I think it's important to remember having like a steady practice of spirituality and like stuff like this, because even if you're up at a high, like especially at those times you think, oh, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm feeling great. Everything's fine. I don't need to, you know, I don't need this stuff. Right. I'm there. I'm, yes. I'm I've my, made it. Yeah. I've exactly. arrived. And I think it's important to remember, like, regardless of where you are, keep that practice nice and steady because you're going to, you know, have those ups and downs and you're going to be grateful when you go back down. If you do, you know what I mean? You're going to be grateful that you have that steady practice. Well, and I think you're right. And I think my experience doing this practice for the last four years is once I've re once I've gotten into my waveform, once I become like my vibrational integrity is set, 
and I kind of know the place that I'm living from, then I'm doing these mantras to maintain that waveform, to maintain that frequency of vibration. Because as long as I'm within this range, right. I'm above the pendulum. That's right. that's that fucking thing that people are just like addicted to. Yep. And so, and we call it, we call it, we call this thing the human condition. In this particular modality that I'm, we're bringing forward, we're calling it attachment addiction. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. Okay. And so, if you would you mind just giving me one sec? I'm just going to run and get my reading glasses real quick. Sure. And so we're, you know, <clears throat> we're going to go through, and I encourage you, Ken, as we're going through this, this is a collaborative exercise. So we're reading through it, and as things come to mind where you're like, hey, how about this or this? Obviously, there'll be some like weird, you know, there'll be some edit typos, typos yeah. and stuff. But when you're actually, something comes into your mind that's called a spiritual insight. And you get you, it's on you to communicate that because you're helping this process be, become better. You're building a bridge to, of understanding for other people. Okay. Okay. So um, let me get on the actual Word document. Okay. So go ahead and uh, start reading if you want. Attachment addiction. We view, uh, we view addiction as a type of attachment disorder. Survivors of trauma and neglect have trouble establishing and maintaining spiritual and human connections. Attachment addiction results from our struggle to sustain physical, emotion, emotional, and spiritual closeness. Without addressing our lack of connection, we attach to things instead. We perform various rituals to compensate for our lack of connection. What began as rubbing the edge of a blanket or uh, thumb-sucking in childhood evolves into alcoholism and obsessive-compulsive disorders as adults. Our rituals of self-soothing become habitual patterns. As attachment addicts, we maintain a habitual dependence to various mechanisms to compensate for our lack of spiritual and human connection. A mechanism is something that produces an effect or accomplishes a purpose. External me mechanisms include alcohol, smartphones, sex, video games, food, online gambling, crypto, drugs, money, codependence, self-harm, social media, hoarding, porn, perfectionism, and more. These are some of the observable observable mechanisms that we engage in addictively. Crypto is on there? Crypto. Fuck yeah. Really? Yeah, because I see people checking their crypto like every 10 seconds. They're like crypto methods. I guess so. I never really thought that. It's just them watching that thing go up and down, up and right. down. They're just like, it's it's the same as like a video game. Yeah. yeah I mean, does that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Anything that just, is, like you'll keep, you'll see as we, we keep reading, you'll, you'll kind of. This is interesting because when... I read the, you know, attachment addiction for, for some reason I was just thinking like with relationships and people, mm. you know, I wasn't thinking about substances and habit patterns and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. And wait till you see the second part right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, this next sentence is going to blow you away. So the root cause of our attachment addiction is not the drink, drug, or roll of the dice, but rather a hidden attachment to our own ideas, narratives, and beliefs. There are internal mechanisms. These that, are? Oh, these are internal mechanisms that make attachment addiction so insidious. Those of us who believe that we are incapable 
unlovable or unworthy may go to great lengths to validate their belief. This is where various forms of self-sabotage come into play. Others among us may go to great lengths to compensate for these same beliefs, which result in, in them becoming overachievers or perfectionists. You got anything to share on all that? Um, no. Not really. It's pretty, pretty spot on. I mean, I've done this before myself, so. Um, we also resist experiences that challenge our core beliefs. These are often the types of experiences that nourish our need for love, intimacy, and creative expression. We may want to embrace such opportunities, but find that we cannot. Our unhealed trauma insanely protects us from these opportunities as if they were somehow dangerous or threatening. This creates physical and mental bondage. Um, I think it's important, like as reading this, yes. I think it's important for people to recognize that to some extent this is subconscious. Okay. And I mean, I would say the majority of people dealing with stuff like this are completely unaware of it. Okay. You know? Um, is there something that should be written that like we should say that go before we start saying, um, uh, like we go, let's go up a little bit where it says there's of us who believe that we are incapable and unworthy are usually unaware of this fact, something like that, or, you yeah, know, and then like, op I mean, these in, are operating below the level of awareness, put in something like that. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Because a person that. I think the majority of people that are dealing with this stuff, reading this, are not going to identify themselves as somebody going through this. Mm. You know what I mean? Because but they'll be able to identify other people that they right, know that might course. be right, of which course. is good. But yeah, because like, because that's it, why I thought about. Would you think it would be better to say they or us in the beginning? Because it depersonalizes it by writing this right, all as they and right, them. Right. You know, it's, and it's so. I mean, for some people, that's helpful. For me, it, it was definitely helpful to probably not constructive, but helpful to recognize these patterns in other people yeah. and start pointing the finger and being like, Oh, well, they do this and that. And, oh, I see that problem in over there. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? Yeah. But after you kind of do a little self analyzation, you realize like, Oh wow, I'm kind of doing that too. Yeah. And it gets deeper and you start to realize like you open up that, um, that mind frame where you're like self analyzing and making progress. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it can be helpful for some people. I'm sure. Um, I would just caution people. With Where would that caution go in your opinion? Because we, was there, there's a part right here. So, it, you know, we're just saying the root cause of our attachment addiction is not the drink drug roll of the dice, but rather a hidden attachment attachment to our own ideas and errors and beliefs. These are the internal mechanisms that make attachment addiction. So insidious. So for me, like now these are obviously, operating below the level of awareness now for example like like let's just say like these mechanisms are almost always and we can change it later operating below below our level i'm sorry i can't spell that good in talk level of conscious awareness like something like yeah. that right yeah because i like I personally like, um, like the the mentality of it being subconscious because it's so hard to see just how unaware we are of it. You know what I mean? Until you actually like take that step and and analyze it, because 
like who knows when you're involved in that it's so difficult to see those patterns and you identify them as something else you know mm -hmm. what do you what are some of the things that you might identify them um as? like in relationships you might think you know my relationship had this issue and it was because you know um there was confrontation or it, the other person was at fault and after some analyzation, you might realize like, oh, I'm this similar thing is happening in a lot of my relationships in the past mm -hmm. and it's repeated itself. And you start maybe start to realize like this is a form of self-sabotage, mm. you know what I mean? And it doesn't appear to be self-sabotage when it's happening because you're triggered, you're frustrated. It's like someone's just like, reactive. It appears know? like these people are just that we're trying to dominate us or push right. us around or right. make, take advantage of our kindness when really... There's this thing within us of avoiding and then not communicating. Yep. Is that exactly. what you mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to look at that because then on some level, then we're responsible for this thing. We're not victims of it. Is that Yeah, accurate? and I, I do think, um, I mean, probably not in this portion of it, but I think it's important for people to know that it's a very difficult um, realization to come to, but basically we are responsible for our our emotions yes you know every like all the time so not like know, look what made you mate look right, how mad you made me look what you yeah. made me do i had to punch you and it, that, <laughs> that can be very difficult with traumatic incidences um relationships you know parents family where it's like how is how is that my responsibility how is that my fault this person yeah. did these actions the effect you know, was completely negative on me, and and now it's like destroyed my emotional well being. Yes, but even though people might not be able to recognize the connection, I think it's important for them to remember that you are responsible for that. On mm. some level, you know, so even if you can't see it, even if it completely appears like this person did it's, this to me, yes, and they are at fault. You need to keep it in the back of your mind that like you are responsible for your own emotions. anything that comes out of your mouth or any action you take is or the feelings is, that you feel yes you know or you feelings you feel That's like especially because you know that goes hand in hand with like victim mentality because it's so easy to get in that mind frame of like the world has wronged me has wronged yeah. me has yeah. caused me to feel these emotions and be this way but that's not the case right like the, the so, like we could take it to that school shooting guy like I'm sure, like or all the school shooting people, like the like Der, uh, Derek Harris, like the letter he wrote about, like you know, just like how people are this way and people are this way, and he's like he's like drawn to do this stuff. I mean, it's not like these people all wronged him, and now he's got this Cain energy coming up out of him, so he's he's justified in killing everybody. But then again, he did take responsibility. He that that guy that that guy who did Columbine he he was he basically said this is what I'm going to do I do take responsibility so it's more like the people that are just doing things and they don't they hit someone hits their chump button and they start reacting and acting well, crazy right and if you like because he brewed on it. it it's probably a very controversial thing to say but the people that were affected by that on the other side like they are also responsible for their emotions and that's a great example because yes, this person did a terrible, terrible thing, a detrimental thing to these people's lives and had a, a huge negative effect and impact on their lives. Yes. But they are still responsible for their own emotions and, and the know, response to that. Right? Yeah. And the response to that. And that's like, a lot of people are going to hear that 
especially in their own lives and be like, well, fuck that. You know, I'm not like this person did this. It is on them a hundred percent. Right. Which like, yes, they did certain things, but at the same time, like we are responsible for the emotions that we feel to it for that, you know, thing. And if you can't take the time to analyze it and overcome it, then you're never going to gain the power that was meant to be yours from the situation in the first place. That's really well said. You know what I mean? That's great. And you know, I bring, I bring back, remember my ex, my baby mama, her boyfriend, we were in sober living together and he took jujitsu for like four months and he was like planning this day and he was just going to kick my ass. Cause I'm like, you know, she's like my girlfriend now and that's his shit and whatever. And so basically, you know, I told him, did I tell you this story? No. And so basically we were at, he was, it was the day he was moving out. We passed each other in the shower and he's like, fuck you, you know, and I was like, whoa, what's up, dude? And so he like, he's naked and he like comes at me and he's attacking me like, and I was like, I went to pull this fire extinguisher off the thing and just cock him in the head with it and something just said, take it. And it was very weird. And he was like, boom, boom. I was like blood everywhere. Like fucking, he broke his wrist on my head. Wow. Like he broke his wrist. And so, and I was like crying and covered in blood and I went back on my meditation chair and I recognized in that moment, all I thought about was 10 years before how Kelly's baby daddy had chased this same guy down that just beat the shit out of me and beat him up in the street because he was sleeping with Kelly. And he, this guy brewed in that and sat in that for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, here, here comes someone else fucking with this girl that was, you know what I mean? It was all on an unconscious level. And his ass whooping came out on me and I could see that. And I said, this has nothing to do with me. This is completely just like, and I was able to forgive him, write him a letter in that moment and forgive him. And it was amazing what happened out of that. I was like covered in blood. I just said, hey, you know, and it's, it's, it's included in the book. You know, there's two specific times where there's like, you know, every part, every person in the world would say, yeah, you're justified. The other one is this guy who left my ex-girlfriend for dead when she overdosed on heroin and just said, oh, I'm out of here. Just left her in a bathtub in a coma. And both of those people I had to make amends to and I had to like release myself from those resentments and the bondage of that thing because I'm responsible for my emotions and we're all connected within that thing. And so it was weird what happened by releasing that letter. I never thought about it. Two days later, I was in a meeting with this guy and his hands in a cast. My face had completely healed because I'd let it go. I didn't hold on to anything. And everyone's going like, how does his face look like that? You know what I mean? And and his hands all in this thing with these pins and stuff. And I was just like, whoa, it was crazy. And he was never the same after that. You know, you know what I'm saying? But that's how deep this level, because it's like, yeah, we're responsible for the feelings we have, but we have to understand what those feelings do and how they corrode our connection to spirit. That's a, yeah, that's a great point because ultimately like the negative feelings stay with you and as much as we want to believe in our times of frustration and like hatred and anger that all of those negative feelings are going out towards the other person Mm -hmm. you know because when we hate someone we want them to know we want them to feel that hate yes and i think that's that's not at all what happens you know they may they may pick up on it they may think like oh this person doesn't like me feels some kind of you know, they bump up against it, but it's not changing them into hate. They're going, Oh, this guy's got some issues. You're the one that's carrying that weight and you're the one that's going to be affected by it in the end. So it can be extremely difficult with certain really close relationships like family and um, partners and things like that. But I think that it's really important to remember that like 
at the end of the day, you that weight stays with you. Absolutely. You're the one go, carrying that yeah, pack of rocks. It doesn't go around. anywhere. And like, I think that people that have done similar things like that, that have let go of resentments and had moments where they have like completely like forgiven another person or let go of the situation, like you can feel a huge difference almost immediately, immediately from before bro. and after where you just like let that weight drop and you just feel that you know lightness and you're like wow this is well it's like a ship that's capsizing because there's this load on one side of it and then you just release the load into the water and the thing bounces back and all out. of a sudden i'm back in my spiritual integrity i'm in my spiritual my vibrational integrity i'm on the spiritual surfboard i'm in my waveform yeah but before that i'm just like oh i'm heading for the iceberg yeah all right yeah, so then i re one. i rewrote what you just said right here so it said you know the root cause of attachment addiction is not the drink drug, roll the dice, blah, 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 you know, but it's this hidden attachment we have to our ideas, narratives, and beliefs. These are the internal mechanisms that make attachment addiction so insidious. These mechanisms are almost always operating below our level of conscious awareness. For example, for example, and then we can just, for example, so that's kind of saying the thing what you were saying. Hold on, I wrote it in the wrong place. I'm sorry. For example those who believe that they are incapable whatever whatever and we could actually change that to it that would be a good place to go to they right mm -hmm. that they are incapable and lovely may go to great may, may go to great lengths to validate their belief and then this is so that's kind of saying what you're saying is that helpful that little part added in i think so all right and then, and then also probably saying the second part, these two paragraphs maybe should go together. They may also resist. Second paragraph right below it. This is where the various forms of self-sabotage come into play. Others among us may go to great lengths to compensate for these same beliefs, which results in them becoming overachievers and perfectionists. Like, I'll show you, I'm not a fucking idiot. I'm going to get 10 degrees and, you know, do all this stuff to prove that I'm not worthless. But really, I'm working overtime just to... Right compensate for this belief that I have that I'm worthless. Yeah. I mean, if you're driven by that, right. You know, if any time like the, like Tony Romo, it's like the undrafted free agent had something to prove. I mean, it, it gets you far, but then he was almost in a wheelchair because he just kept getting his back broken. You know what I mean? He was just like, I mean, that's a shitty example, but you know what I'm saying? All right, let's get back on topic. Okay. Uh, go ahead. They may also resist. Or may re may resist experiences. Um, you wrote that in earlier. What you just said to? They you that sent, that first sentence you wrote that in. They may also. I didn't write. No. Oh, they. Yeah, we. I changed we okay. to they. So we so, may also resist experiences that challenge our core beliefs. You want to read after that? To the very bottom of the first page. Right. These are often the types of experiences that nourish our need for love, intimacy, and creative expression. Yes. We may want to embrace such opportunities, but find that we cannot. Our unhealed trauma insanely protects us from these opportunities as if they were somehow dangerous or threatening. This creates physical and mental bondage. Um, a person's attachment to external mechanisms such as drugs, sex, or codependence Oh, codependence or money creates uh, physical bondage. These observable attachments require time and energy to maintain. A person's attachment to internal mechanisms such as ideas, narratives, and beliefs create mental bondage. 
These unseen attachments require mental resources such as concentration and ima imagination to maintain. Um, yeah, that's a good one. And I think Yeah, I think um, it might be nice to mention anxiety um, or dep and depression somewhere in here mm -hmm. because I think that's something that keeps people from, you know, living life and keeps them in this repetitive pattern of negativity. And it's really easy in today's day and age for people to um, disregard that as some kind of mental um like some form of mental illness mm -hmm. but at the same time like that's not gonna labeling it as a mental illness or a condition isn't gonna help that specific person get over it right you know what i mean they, they still need to liberate themselves from those coping right. patterns right you know just like injecting more serotonin into that to tolerate that is is not the same thing as just totally liberating yourself from those. Yeah. And I mean, you know, those attachments, some, right. For some people that have major issues, I'm not saying, you know, medication sometimes is the, one of the few ways to deal with it, but yeah. I don't think that it's the primary, you know, go to first for things like that. I think it's important to recognize like 90% of the time, those conditions come from some kind of past trauma or something. Mm -hmm. And, I think dealing with the underlying issue might be more beneficial than, you know, medicating its effects. Yeah, exactly. I think you're super on it. Okay, I'm going to. In fact, I think it says that on the last line of this. If we keep going. Okay. Uh, powerlessness. Um, a mental obsession often activates in response to the triggering situation. To a triggering to situation. A, I'm going to change it to okay. when there's a thing, a triggering situation. Perhaps an intimate relationship requires us to express how we feel. Perhaps it's a career opportunity or a sudden windfall of creative recognition. Should I put maybe instead of perhaps? Because there's two perhapses right in a row? No. You like perhaps twice? Yeah, because that's – it's just giving – different examples okay it's a problem okay of creative recognition as you may notice these are not typical dangers or tragedies however those who believe that they are unlovable incapable and unworthy have an unfortunate reaction to such opportunities we view these opportunities as threats and just to point out i think we are or i think that in this it's speaking to uh, I think it's speaking more to people that have like a victim mentality as opposed to people that are, um, that have like a hate, maybe like a hatred mentality or mm. an angry me mentality. Um, because I think somebody that has an angry or hateful mentality wouldn't identify with some of this stuff. Mm. Um, especially, especially when they're angry, like you're not going to see your anger as being self-sabotage. You know what I mean? Most people wouldn't. I mean, mm -hmm. I think if you've done some analyzation, you might come to that realization that like, yeah, my anger is a, a form of self-sabotage. It's, you know, creating distance between me and the people I love, making me, you know, and it might make them get to that point where they are realizing it's making them feel unlovable and capable and unworthy. But 
I don't know if they would read this and automatically like identify it hmm. as. Yeah, you know, what I, I can mean? see that it's more slant, it's more leaning towards the victim type mentality. Right, right. But really, we want to serve because it's Whoever. fear and anger. Right. I mean, because it's it's the we're having we're living out of alignment with our spiritual nature, and we're either right. fearful or angry about it. Right. Is that accurate? I, I think that is. I just don't know. Like, a, I don't know if a victim someone with a victim mentality is going to look at their is going to identify their mentality as coming from a fear base or an anger base i think that that's more i don't know like it's like almost its own thing like self-pitying type of thing oh they won't see that fear is that, well I, I guess about talking about fear being the it fear creates the reactive mind which disconnects us from our spiritual truth and then in that void, all kinds of weird shit right. comes up. And so that's when the, so you're saying it'd be like really beneficial right there to say like out of that void comes our avatar and whatever our avatar is, if it's like a self-pitying, whatever thing and the world's a certain way, or if our avatar is like angry and the world's fucking away, like there's different expressions of that avatar. Some, some right. avatars are angry about their spiritual void. Others right. are fearful about their spiritual void, but all of them great create this persona or this character. Yeah, I think something or, like that would be good. Or is that not what you were thinking? Yeah, I think I think something would be good to something like that to mention it, but yeah, I just it might be hard for people to recognize to identify with a, a person with a victim mentality like it's hard because even a person person with a victim mentality that this is kind of leaning towards doesn't in their subconscious mind doesn't believe that they're they have a victim mentality they believe that they're wronged by the world and have been you know are unlovable and things like that but they're mm -hmm. not going to recognize like uh yeah i don't know it, you have to be somebody that hasn't even started the journey i don't think he's is gonna put themselves anywhere on the spectrum oh that makes sense yeah. you know what i mean um where is the place for them then I mean, what's the gateway to get them to, like... Yeah, that's, that's tough. Well, because in the original book, it just talks about, like, fear at first. And um, then it talks about trauma. Yeah, maybe in a... Because I, I know that in parts of the book, you do kind of, like, a little paragraph paragraph of, like, questions mm -hmm. to get somebody to, like, ask themselves, like, hmm, have I been this way? Have I done this? To diagnose themselves right. rather than being... So maybe a, a short little paragraph where it's like, you know, do you feel at times unlovable? Like, do you distance yourself from people in your life? Like, yeah. You know, do you create angry situations, abrasive relationships, types like types of things like that to get a person to like sit and think, huh, maybe I do do that sometimes. Like I did do that in my re last relationship. Like yeah. maybe I should look into that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, this, this definitely requires uh... – Yes, it requires other people's perspectives to to make this thing kind of. Because I feel like it's almost like after we're talking about this and I'm getting your perspective, it's almost like just keeping this because it's the beginning of the book, right? It's just like just having those like, and we'll read through in a second. Like we'll just read through this, and then because we have like less than a page. Um, oh, it's yeah. Because right after that goes into this thing about like you know. Uh, spiritual like 
it talks about like, you know, people have these experiences and they have two responses to it. Some people turn away from them thinking that there's something wrong with the world and that they need to fucking brace up and they need right. to like, stockpile weapons and money and do all this shit because the world's fucked up. And other people like there's something wrong with me. Right. And those are the two primary responses. To, I th- I, yeah, I think so. And, you know, and it just uh, right in the beginning articulating that, but losing a lot of this verbiage and just saying attachment addiction is to things and to thoughts. And boom, leave it like that without trying to articulate too much of this. If this is at the beginning, maybe simplifying it just a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, even like, I mean, I like to think I've done some analyzation. I like to think I'm like somewhat spiritually sound, but mm-hmm. it's like, even with myself, it's hard to recognize like my own patterns and stuff like that at times Mm -hmm. and realize like oh yeah i I do self you know self-sabotage at times like i do some of these other things and well it's all just it's all just like insanely trying to protect ourselves we're never like really sabotaging ourselves we're just that's what it looks like to me but yeah we're just i mean it it is you know it is sabotaging because by protecting yourself you're actually causing yourself harm at times exactly you know instead of but i'm not going i'm going to go sabotage my life right right now by doing this i'm going to say like this seems threatening i'm going to pull away i'm going to throw a grenade on it it's it's it's, it's, i'm in danger yeah and it's those it's an insane protection of ourselves huh all right cool so where were we okay so this is threatening yep these threatening situations trigger the release of survival hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline this causes us to go unconscious, not physically, but mentally. In these instances, we are no longer present. We lose our sense of well-being. We cease to feel a connection to our fellow humans. Our thoughts begin to race without intervening upon this obsessive thinking. Fearfulness and uncertainty persist. Anxiety and or depression good, increases. A sense of internal incompleteness builds. This is a critical period in which action must be taken or catastrophic consequences will ensue. In these moments of mental obsession, emotional discomfort, and spiritual blackout, we need to bring ourselves back into alignment. We must plug ourselves back into our spiritual outlet. Otherwise, a physical compulsion will compel us, physical compulsion will compel us to reach out for our mechanism of choice, much like a child reaches for a blanket during a thunderstorm. This is when we get high or drink. We head off to the casino. We go back with an uh, abusive ex-partner. We alienate ourselves from human contact. We fall back into predictable patterns of active attachment addiction. We remain attached to our rituals of self-soothing until something intervenes. Those who are not so fortunate often pay the ultimate price with their life. Subduing the physical compulsion only affords us a temporary reprieve. Without addressing the mental thought patterns that triggered us into our relapse, we are a time bomb that ticks away. It is only a matter of time until something else, something desired, yet insanely threatening, triggers a cycle again. Interesting. Tip for the day. So <clears throat> which part of that was that last part pretty um yeah because this part yeah i really want to work on this part and make it 
like the people from, won't identify as, as having these attachments because they're gonna they're gonna know they're alcoholics or addicts, and that's gonna be pretty easy because you can see like I'm attached. You're attached to a cigarette, right? Like you turn like, and I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm I'm not really. And then I was like, well, I'm not really addicted to cigarettes. Yeah, it looks like I'm addicted to cigarettes, but I'm turning away from opportunities for communication to ask people what I want to be, uh, to be vulnerable, to say what I need, to do all these things. And I'm pacifying myself with a cigarette. And once I started to notice that, that rather than leaning into that opportunity to connect and really like broaden that connection and deepen that connection, I was like turning it away from it in a really passive way and then lighting up and attaching to a cigarette. And I started to realize, like, I'm attached to the cigarette. Like, I'm, a, I'm creating an attachment to the cigarette because of my unwillingness to work on my, like, to be vulnerable in my connection to people. Yeah. And I, honestly, I do that, too. Um, but I think that it would be good. This, this is, a lot of this, I feel like, is explaining the, what happens negatively. Mm-hmm. And what the result is of our unawareness and disconnection and attachment addiction, Mm -hmm. right? I don't, it might be nice to throw in a little bit of the other side of like what happens when we do connect. I don't know, because it's like, because this is, this is like, seems like all doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it might might be nice to put like a little light at the end of the tunnel type of thing Mm -hmm. and just like, because with what you just told me, it's like, like the other side of that is, you know, connection and, you know, vulnerability and having, you know, wonderful experiences that we are not able to have because we're stuck in these patterns. Yes. You know, I think... That's important. Just a little bit. Yeah, I think it's really important because while we need to be aware of all this negativity and what's created our our lifestyle, we also need to know that there is like another side and that there is like a positive because it's like, oh, it would be nice to not have all this crap, to not have to deal with this shit. That would be great. But that's what it looked like from reading it. If mm-hmm. I didn't know any better, I feel like that's what it looks like. It looks like the result is not having this, not having to deal with this, not having this negative stuff. But it's not just not having it. It's like having the positivity, having yeah. the vulnerability, the openness, the great experiences, the connection. Like, so, cause it's like with alcohol, especially like the first time I got sober, I was just looking at it like, well, it'd be great to not like destroy my relationships, get drunk, be sick, and like, live this addictive miserable lifestyle it would be great to not have that stuff Mm -hmm. but that's what i saw when i first started getting sober i was like okay not have not have to deal with that Mm -hmm. i didn't see like now i'm able to have connections and be open and experience life and not have my time wasted away focusing on this you know Mm -hmm. negative aspect and be able to like participate in all these wonderful positive things that I had no idea before I was going to be doing. Mm. You know what I mean? I feel like that's such a great motivator. So just reminding people, like actually just fill in like, cause even with the mantras. So like one of the mantras is to be able to respond with sincerity, courage, and wisdom to be able to, like how it says in the nine step promises, be able to, 
you know, uh, intuitively handle situations that used to baffle us, like where those promises are there. But really, honestly, those mantras, once you start doing them and start living them and start becoming them, because as those patterns are installed and then we start to become them, just like we became those other unconscious patterns. And next thing you know, when a situation's happening, we're responding or we're, we're treating ourselves with kindness and compassion. We're treating other people. We're being more patient. We're doing these things that the mantras tell us to do because we're, we're basically inputting that program into ourselves. We're programming ourselves to start responding to life in those ways. And that takes us out of the, the, the attachment addiction to all these negative ideas. We're really just some ideas we had, like we started to run with when we were some younger people. Or in really emotionally vulnerable situations, like coming out of destructive relationships as adults, yep. we just decided to do something about ourselves, and we just ran with it, and that became our death sentence. Yep. So this is just intervening on all that and saying, "Oh no, let's just get back to normal. Let's like get back to your, let's get back to your like basic personality, your essence before you worsened it with these traumas and this neglect." Like so, but in order to start to say, "Okay, cool," like this section really needs to be like, you know, you're fucked, like. So, in, you know, what I mean, you're fucked because these, pro, these, 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 these patterns, because the next section right after that is habit patterns. And it's like, these become, these are the progressive and deadly parts of our, they, the drugs and the alcohol that we're treating these patterns with. Yes, they might get worse. Our addiction might appear to be escalating and progressing and getting worse, but that's because these thought patterns are becoming more automatic and we're becoming more, we are becoming more and more our patterns. And we're not, we're becoming more and more out of align, alignment with our spiritual nature. There's no love transmitting through our create our experiences anymore. We're, we're just totally fucking stuck in these patterns, these survival patterns, and we're fearful and reactive. And of course, we're going to want to use heroin when we're feeling like that all the time. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Because that's really what we're trying to do is say, like, it doesn't matter if you stop drinking. You, if you have those shitty patterns you've created, they're going to continue to move forward. And, and you might not be able to see it now, but when you're my age and you're 48 and I'm sitting down in my meditation chair and I'm trying to fucking connect and I'm trying to get that little thing. I know what it feels like to be spiritually connected and to feel in my body and in my mind where I'm centered and I'm, I'm, I'm communing with that spiritual aspect of myself. And I'm going, I can't get there. I'm completely, it's like fucking kamikaze pilots all inside my brain. I keep getting up. I keep going to get water. I keep doing this. My brain is a fucking battlefield. Like it's done. You know what I mean? And so it's like, oh, but once I did these patterns, now I can shut my eyes for 20 minutes and just meditate for 20 minutes because these, this practice has neutralized those crazy patterns. All the kamikazes are, they're grounded. They're on the aircraft carrier. Sounds good. So let's get into what's going on with you. We got, do you have to leave right at three or do you have, No, I'm. Not, you're good for a minute. Thanks for going through that. So I'll take what we talked about and I'm just going to keep working on that. I mean, I've, I'm realizing now that this, this is a really important thing that I got to do, but I just want to be able to, at, at some point I just need to cut the rope and put something out now. Yeah. I get that. Go for it. But then be working on the thing in the back, like the, 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 the you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel, what do you think about that? Because I feel like, yeah. but I feel like if I'm going to miss 80% of the people because I didn't do some stuff in the beginning, my job here is to be helpful right. to people. Because there's I get, people suffering yeah, with this. I get that. Um, but, you know, if you miss 80% of the people, but, you know, 10 or 20% of them come back and say that there's certain suggestions that they have or things that they didn't understand or something, then, you know 
because right now you just, like for the most part it's just my perspective and your perspective right and some other people from the past um but yeah who knows maybe it would be good to get some more ideas from different people see how it how they connect with it if they can identify with it because i think like unless you're a freaking monk like this pretty much applies to you right you know what i mean right and but the majority of people i don't think are going to identify so much as being like one of those people well that's why i keep going back to the day like because i'm thinking like if, if if it's written as a depersonalized thing if you're reading this everyone's going to see your grandma, your sister, your aunt, your mom that's right. acting like this, right. and they're going to want to give it to them. And as soon as that person reads it, they're going to go, Ken, look what you're doing here. You know? Maybe. And eventually, like, because if you're reading that whole thing, not from a we thing, but from a they, and you're going, oh, I know people like this. I totally see them yeah, doing you're right. this. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Like saying it. And then you start getting into the we stuff later, but like. That makes sense. I mean, it's not deceptive. It's just like giving them a chance to to, to not because if I say we, oh, you're including me in this shit. It's like, who the fuck are you? Right, right. Yeah, like yeah, I'm not fucking that. part of your nut house. Like, right. I'm not like joining your cult. Yeah, I got that. right. So maybe I'll try another version of it with the they. Like, but the, just talking about people in general. Everyone knows someone who's got attachment addiction. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then you know, hey. You know what I mean? You know, because I mean, it's just like, right or no? I don't know. You're right. You're right. It it is. It is a little. Um, it reads a little wordy. This does. Yeah. Yeah. It it reads a little wordy. Um, if I was coming, if I was a person completely desperate and my, uh, at the bottom of my barrel like coming into this and i read that i don't i don't know if i would make it through the whole that whole first part without being like uh i gotta go yeah yeah you know yeah that's good to know yeah so like wait would you if i sent it to you and i just you know you have it and if you were just like got rid of everything that was unnecessary from your perspective just yeah i mean not, I'm not it's saying your not, thing is the thing, but right, I'm saying right. it'd be interesting for you because it's really just about connecting with. Because this is speaking like, like this is very spirit. Like this is high end, like high end wording. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is coming from a place of spiritual understanding, and I it's speaking like spiritual understanding, and I don't know if a person that is like completely unconscious and spiritually unaware is going to catch a lot of this you know what i'm you know what i'm thinking and i'm I'm almost thinking this is why god had me write that killer inside book 15 years ago because that whole book is written in a very different vernacular it's like whenever i fucking it's all me and i and i'm going through these things i'm saying why am i doing this and that and it's all just me inside of my crazy brain when i was this person it just a just a just a little food for thought. Yeah, it might be cool as this whole as the whole thing, like throughout writing the whole thing. If it starts with speaking like like just friend to friend 
or person to person, like very, just very simple. And I want, I want to say like almost non-articulate. Yeah. Just trying to get the point across. And as people are going through and as they're reading and gaining like a little spiritual insight more and more that the wording gets more articulate gets more like spiritual verbiage and higher awareness type of writing to the point where you know halfway or towards the end of the book it's using completely spiritual yeah words and understanding so that by that point the person is opened up they're connecting identifying and can actually like like absorb all of that yeah because now they've turned on their spiritual insight they have that they're 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 absorbing it more objectively and through their spiritual lens rather than like their trauma lens and and i think like a lot of people especially if you're like desperate or just you really are willing and want to start out this process you're going to take the time to like go through this and and really read it and understand it but i think people that are just like well people aren't going to see that this is their crux Right. They're going to have a girlfriend relieve them. They're going to have a job that fires them. They're going to have some kind of catastrophic event that makes them go, wait a minute, maybe something's wrong with me. And that's like, but you know what I mean? But very quickly after that, almost always, then they'll just get on drugs or drink or do something else. And then they'll just blame that thing. That's the thing about drinking and drugs, which is so crazy is, is like when that thing starts acting up and starts getting its covers pulled, it'll just like, oh, wait, why did I just throw away that girl? And I had this amazing stuff, all this stuff coming at me that was like presenting itself and I couldn't receive it. I didn't know how to receive blessings from the universe. Wait, what's that all about? Next thing you know, I'm on meth and now I'm dealing with a meth problem. And I'm not even worried. Like as soon as the awareness came is like, I have a problem with receiving love. Like I have a problem receiving love from the universe, from my higher power, from this girl that just wanted to like cook with me. And now I'm all, now I'm on meth again. Now I'm just trying to put that fire out. I don't even remember being the guy that couldn't receive love. You know what I'm saying? That's how crazy this thing is. Yeah, and I think that's like that's kind of how the journey goes. And a lot of people like you don't even have the time or energy to like stop and go, wait a second, like I was here. I went here, now I'm here. You know, I think like the majority of people. Yeah, like your hand, like how did that happen? Right. You know what I mean? Like how did you go from like the guy who was this way to the guy who's like, you know what I mean? Like, And it's funny because, I mean, if I'm talking just about my personal experience, it's it's like a roller coaster. I've gone to these points of like decent spiritual awareness and understanding and fallen back down. And I think like it's – as far as spiritual awareness, I think the roller coaster starts fairly slow where it's like you have these little highs where you get these little insights mm-hmm. and eventually like you're gaining these huge epiphanies of spiritual awareness. And I think like if I don't didn't have like somewhat of a background of little hints and things here and there that I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to like take the time and analyze and recognize like, Hey, I put myself in this position. I've been spiritually unaware, spiritually disconnected, and I need to get back to something that I recognized in the past. Mm -hmm. But that's, yeah, it's almost like having those spiritual points of references. Right. So, you know, something's going on. You're not just like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's how the whole book should be. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think definitely parts of it. Um, but yeah, because even now it's like when I have these little moments, like with the whole jacuzzi thing, like I was able to see like my reaction wasn't that bad. It was literally like me just kind of ugh, being like, 
bummed out and then having like a single sentence blow up where I was like, well, fuck this. Like you can fucking deal with it. And then walking away. Yeah. But it's like, that is so minuscule in comparison to these huge dramatic things that I used to do where I would like burn down my house and destroy all these relationships. You know, it's like, for me, when I analyze it, I look at that as like progress because it's like, I'm destroying all the people around me because i'm frustrated yeah said i'm having this blow up and it still affect affected people negatively i was still in the moment like oh that sucked i didn't like that i shouldn't have done that that was wrong and i'm able to recognize it but i kind of have to give myself like a little bit of leniency because at least i'm not like destroying everything around me yeah know? so let me switch this out real quick before we this week Oh, hold on. What's been going on with you this week? It is a very busy, this is a very busy month. Um, last week, my cousin moved out. So we had, okay. to, move, we had to move all She got stuff. that place downtown? Yeah. So That's crazy she moved downtown. Downtown yeah. is so gnarly. She, it's south. It's like as south downtown as you can go. And it's surprisingly like not that bad. Okay. Um, there's really not very many homeless people at the bottom of her building it's kind of by like la live like a little bit below la live oh okay um it seems like it would be like terrible it's not i mean i haven't been there at night when we were moving stuff in like it's she used to live um in an apartment kind of center downtown Mm -hmm. and it's like every time you, (laughs) you you have to get in your car and like leave the building from the parking lot if you had to walk onto the sidewalk or something or out onto the street it's like a nightmare it's disgusting it stinks and everybody sucks but um the place is <laughs> she they really thought that they were going to be able to do it down there it's just there's just too much yeah yeah it's gotten pretty bad um because yeah. that's where they all end up have you seen how big skid row is now Skid Row is massive when we bro. were down there they were clearing a bunch of people out of that section too because now they're the city's trying to keep them all away from LA Live and from the Staples Center. So they're kick they're like kicking all the encampments out and stuff from that area. So it's good and bad. I mean, it, she's happy about it because now like there's not a lot of homeless people outside her building, but um anyway, that's so we moved my cousin. That was fine, a little hectic, but fine. Well, hold on real quick with the homeless thing cuz mm-hmm. me and Roman were talking about this. Roman who works at Pathfinders with us. Um, and we we're like, what do you do? Cause like the how they want to give homeless people houses and half of them are like, I don't want a house. I want to fucking destroy, they'll just destroy the house or yeah. move a bunch of garbage in. And we're like, and I was thinking about like, well, what if they just had like 50 miles out of like, as you start getting into the desert, it's big enough so they can't like, you know, but you just like have this obstacle. It's like, almost like you just have this like playland. I don't mean to be beat insensitive, but like right. there's tons of shit to go like dumpster diving. There's right, cool right. stuff. There's graf- walls you can graffiti. There's like a simulated urban environment there that they can just do their thing at, but there's also access to medical things. Right. But it's like, remember, do you ever hear about Rat Park? Uh-uh. Okay, so back in the 50s, there was this. The, remember the experiments, the rats on cocaine, yep. and you had it in this cage by itself, and it just drinks the cocaine water till its heart explodes? Well, Dr. Alexander came along in 1973. In fact, this should maybe go in the beginning of the book. And he was like, check it out, dude. Like, if you take that same rat and put it in a big rat park with 30 other rats and like balls and toys and sex and food, that thing's not going to touch the cocaine. 
mean, that's what happened. It ended up like they had the cocaine water and the regular water, but all the rats were getting enough connection and community and all that. And they didn't fuck with the cocaine water. It had to be alone in a cage by itself before it started being appealing. Right, right. And so like, but have something, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying like, have a homeless park. Like we're all the, like, just like invest, like, but it's like a huge place. And it's got like, it ain't maybe even looks like a downtown somewhere. It's just like all mocked up, you know? And yeah, but there's, interesting. but there's resources and people can kind of come in and out. Like they can have these apartments, but they're fucked up or like whatever. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's just like a government financial thing, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's they're like, just, they don't want to take the time or the money to fix the problem really. But it's just going to bleed out, bro. Yeah. It has been. It's going to continue, I think, for a long time. But anyway, but yeah, so then, yeah, I, mean, I was just curious. Um, yeah, it's just it's going to be a hectic month. Um, move my cousin Father's Day. Um, my friend had. Did you see your dad on Father's Day? I did. Yeah. It was How was nice. that? It was good. Um, I we went to my sister's. Um, we had her boyfriend and his parents were there. My dad was there. We had some other other family there. Was your girl there? Um, yeah, she came. Cool. Um, and it was it was cool. Like we all hung out. There was no drama. Um, my dad seemed to have a good time. We ended up uh, afterwards. We all went to the pier or wharf or whatever mm -hmm. i guess it's not actually a pier i don't know but, where's that at uh long beach oh cool and so we were all hanging out walking around we ended up going to this like little bar thing my dad you know he's 30 years sober so he doesn't drink and me and him were just kind of hanging out but we ended up playing pool with my sister's boyfriend and his brother and me and my dad cool and we like started and we just ended up everyone everyone else ended up going back to the to their place and we all just hung out and like played pool for a good like two hours and it was just it was pretty cool just to like hang out my dad was getting into it and i could see you know a little bit of competitiveness and stuff coming out so it was cool it was a fun experience nice. for the most part um but yeah we did father's day moved my cousin um my friend had a little get together at his house so it was like friday saturday sunday non-stop um yesterday you know my friend ended up finding out that uh her dog had like blood tests done recently and your friend that i met yeah, yeah. yeah. and so her dog has like kidney disease um that she ended up getting real upset about that and i had to take her home so that she could deal with that um and her dog's really old so yeah in all honesty it kind of it kind doesn't of look yeah it's it just kind of looks like it's getting to that point with her so wish her the best hopefully everything works out but um so we did that uh next weekend i have my sister's birthday my goddaughter's birthday and my friends doing something that i have to go to so it's that's cool. Uh, we're doing my goddaughter's birthday Friday. Everyone's going to Raging Waters, so that's going to be a day thing. My sister is doing a surprise beach party, so we're going to surprise her, um, set up a thing at the beach, and then bring her over. Dope. So, And then the weekend after that, I'm supposed to go to Utah, so it's going to be a hectic month. That's cool. How long are you going to be in Utah for? I don't know yet. Open-ended? Um, it's not open-ended. I think I'm supposed to come back on the 6th. I just don't know when I'm going over there. Uh, there's a bunch of people going up. 
a lot of people just want to drive up there. Um, I get a little bit of anxiety not driving, but my car gets like pretty shitty gas mileage. So <laughs> that like, car, yeah. So I don't know like where I'm at with that. I don't know if I feel like driving or not. Um, you like you prefer driving rather than flying? I if it's cheaper. I really don't care that much, but I like the idea of having my own car up there. Oh, at your mom's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You know, not being subject to, like, other people. I don't know what the Uber situation is like in, you know. Bars. You don't want to get stuck there in case yeah. you want to, you need to get out and get some fresh air. Yeah. Um, I mean, it might, might be a nice exercise for you just to surrender and just take the airplane. I, I know, right? So then you don't have, you I, you would have to actually, actually have to communicate and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go take some time for me right now. Yeah, I'm gonna I just go. don't know if, like, I'm going to spend the money because – Supposedly Our flights my, are really bad right now. Yeah, my friend is coming. My mom wants her to come. And so, I don't know. I would have to cover both our plane tickets along with the – we're getting some big, like, Airbnb place for all of us to stay in. So, And I have a feeling that because of how many people ended up deciding to come, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of room. It's a big place, but we've got like 10 or 15 people coming now. No way. So, Dude, your mom's got some pool, huh? I don't know. what. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I'm not on the family group text. There's a family group text that I I opted out of because it's just Too every single day is just yeah, yeah, people yeah. going back and forth about random shit. But anyway, a bunch of people are going. Could, your friend, your, but if your friend was going to go, that she'd have, you, you'd have to you feel obliged to have her pay for, to pay for her. Yeah. I, when when is she like going to – yeah, that's cool. She doesn't want – like she doesn't – I don't think she really wants to go. So she doesn't want to go. Not really. So I'm kind of like – You want her like to go Asking though? her to. I mean my mom wants her to go. Do you want I her also, to go? It would be nice to not – to have somebody – I mean it's – I'm not going to have a bad time but like it would be cool to have – her like come up and hang out she's only met my mom like once for about five minutes so I mean, would you want to spend the time with her or is it more just about her being up there so like is it like a thing so because of everything else you know what i mean like her oh. being there to help you do your time better right as opposed to like spending time with her yeah i don't know In, well I mean, but i think maybe like i mean we're, we've been hanging out for freaking three months she's always at my house so why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I you get know. it. I mean, um, but it, yeah. I just have to see. Like, and she's always down, like, just just hang out with you, or is she hanging out with you because she, her home sucks? She, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah, what's going on. Have you had a conversation yeah, about that? that? That's all I'm getting at. Plenty of times. And what's the deal? Um, have you you've asked her that question? Or yeah, and I mean, it's a little bit of both. I do think that we would not be spending so much time together if she had a different living situation. She's acknowledged that. Yeah. Okay. And. So, you know, I do get, like, a little frustrated, and I'm like, well, like, you wouldn't even be spending so much time with me if it wasn't for your home situation, and, like, where would I our relationship be if, you know, you didn't have this other stuff happening where you have to, like, rely on me type of thing, but... Um, what did she say to that? She, like, agrees to some extent, but she also feels really conflicted. She doesn't um, like having to like rely on other people hmm. and so it's just it's just weird we've but had the conversation like a couple of times now 
and I've kind of realized that it's like a sensitive area for her. So, but I'm is it really that she has a hard time relying on other people, or is it that she has a hard time admitting that she relies on other maybe. people? Maybe because I mean, maybe. it seems she seems pretty. I mean, it seemed pretty easy for her to do all that. Right. It didn't seem. It seems like she, I mean, me being an objective person who's watching all this full unfolding from the outside yeah. is like she handpicked you to be a person. I mean, that that um, I mean, because you're you have a really cool way about i mean not handpicked you but she right. you have a i mean lot of cool also qualities like that make it... it's we each have like we've each contributed to this situation because i am very like i like my issue is like i also like to have people need me to on a certain level for sure you know what i mean i like to kind of feel relied upon mm-hmm. um so that creates its own like little problem and I was also like very welcoming and open and like before this situation even started I was like like you know you can hang out at my place whenever you want type of thing and at the time it was like yeah it, it would be great to have somebody you know there all the time and it's cool it's For gotten you. For yeah you. it's gotten a little Cause complicated cuz you were kind of lonely um I just that's you just, were, well, it's just like you. a habit pattern, like of how my relationships go. Oh, that's and the thing cousin, you set up. Yeah, my uh, I was talking to my cousin Jeremiah, and he like he pointed that out because he at the same time is developing his own relationship with someone, and it's kind of gone in a certain direction, like in a positive direction. But it's just he pointed out, and I didn't really think about it. He's like, every time I get in a relationship. I end up like these people end up like coming straight into my life and like, you know, planting roots because every single relationship within probably like three to six months, the person is living in my house. Okay. Every single relationship that happened from, from my first girlfriend, like all the way to now, every single relationship, they're living in my house within six months. Yeah. And so, then you're you're in the bathroom with the candles trying to just shut it yeah, off. Yeah, like, so I don't know if like I'm sure was this on like some a conscious level, break that just happened with you two? Or, I mean, were you? Is, um, it's just because her dog. It's because her did. dog. Yeah, oh, and like, okay. uh, yeah, it just she had to she has to go home and like deal with that. And I was just like, yeah, why not? She wanted me to come and stay, I think a little bit, but I was like, nah, I just I need to get stuff done. I've been kind of being lazy. My room. My room, which is always a perfect example of where I'm at spiritually and mentally, is an absolute disaster. Is it really? There's crap all over the place. Um, my, yeah, it's just a mess. A bunch of, like, my TV ended up breaking. I ended up getting a new TV. Your car, too? Or just uh, your house? Is no, your car, my car, not so much. You, uh, you keep your car room, up? Yeah, my yeah. room is, like, it's bad. I haven't done laundry. I haven't done dishes. It's interesting that she's in there shit. with you in that, and she's not. It's just like she's okay with like whatever. It got pretty like, does bad. Does she clean, or does she, she like? She helps anything? out a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. It got pretty bad over the last couple of days. Like it was pretty solid, but I think over the weekend when we did all this stuff, moving my cousin, um, my friend had his thing, and then we had Father's Day. Like over the weekend, my room turned into a complete disaster. There's shit all over the place. Like. I'm sure it's not I that bad. I ended up having to <laughs> I'm sure it's not that bad. It's pretty bad. Like I had to clear out um my car always has like my tools in the back. Yeah. And I had to clear out all my tools. So I ended up like put, there's some tools and bags and buckets outside my door. There's tools inside my room on the floor randomly. 
I've got boxes like strewn about. Right now, like you have to like do some acrobatics to get through my room. Mm. That's how bad it is. So I need to like take some time and figure that out. But cool. yeah, sounds like you're good for the most part, though. How are you doing with the mantras? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm gonna really try and focus on getting at least like at least five repetitions done every day mm -hmm. for this week since I she's not around and I can just kind of. Is that something you're thing. hesitant to do when she's in your space all the um, time? Which makes sense. It is. It is I'm, I am a little hesitant, but also like there's not a whole lot of like there's not a whole lot of like free time because things are always happening. Mm. Um, Interesting. Are you meditating? Do you have time for that? I do meditate a little bit after. She usually goes to sleep a lot earlier than I do. Yeah. So I have a good like two or three hours after she goes to sleep. Well, what time does she go to sleep? She goes to sleep probably like that's another thing that's way off is my sleep schedule. She usually falls asleep around 11 or 12. And you're staying and up until 2? Like, yeah. It's been pretty bad over the past. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Last night. I don't know what the deal is. Last night I fell asleep. At like Do you have to be like exhausted to fall asleep next door? Because I know it's hard to sleep next door, right? Um, It's not. I think I've gotten used to it. Um, I just have like not had a good sleep schedule lately. And I, it's just been getting later and later, you know? Interesting. It's weird. Huh. And so. Yeah, try to do uh, the mantras. And, and uh, try to do the mantras and meditation in conjunction. Like do the mantras and then finish it with your meditation. Okay. You know what I mean? Because the mantras will help turn off all that. If that's what they do for me. Like they just get me out of my little monkey mind patterns. And then, then you'll be like, you know, you'll be able to just. Cause I really want to see you start doing those, uh, the, the, pop, the alignment mantras. Because the alignment mantras are really, um, um, there's something else. I, you know, I don't know how to explain it really. Okay. So I have to do 40 days, right? Yeah. Now. You have to do at least three a day. Consecutive? Yeah. Consecutive. So if I like skip a day, do I have to start over? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. You just need to do at least three every day. And you know, like, bro, like literally I was on my way to a work job and I would do them while I was driving my car. Yeah, I, do, like, I, do I don't give too. a fuck when yeah, they are. It's an offering you're giving to spirit. You're saying, I'm serious about this. Like, it's like, you know, because these are things that, you know, and, and you know, if, if you've, you've done them enough to see what they are, if they're qualities that you, you would like to have, I mean, they're pretty basic. It's yeah. not, there's no, nothing. They definitely are. They're just they basic are. things that help tune us in. There's nothing on this that's personalized towards my personality. They're very universal. All they're doing is getting us out of like this reactive mode of like fearful and angry reaction and getting us into like patience and like having, it's just getting us to start tapping into and building that other vibration. Because you, there's a, if we're in alignment with our spiritual nature, we're vibrating at a completely different frequency than if we're, you know, out of alignment with that and attached to our like trauma avatar and living in instinct mode. Yeah. You understand how those are two different, those are two different human beings. And so what this is doing is readying your mind to receive the miracles, which will happen in the, the, the alignment mantras because your brain's totally not open to these things because it's been living in survival mode, instinct mode for so long. It's just been doing a certain way and that's fine. Instinct mode's great when it's great, but yet to be able to turn that off and start having this other like mode of existence, most people can't do that right now. So these mantras go in and they turn that off so that you can access that other mode of existence because right now it's unavailable to you.
So this helps you to have that. So at least you have that as a point of reference. You know that that's there because right now you might be able to touch it or sit on a yoga mat or have seconds of it, but you're not throwing your, you're not rolling through your day living away from that place going like, whoa, this is like a different kind of a, I'm a different person right now. And so, yeah, just like the three every day, it's an offering and it's just, you know, it is, it's tenderizing your brain a little bit because your brain's kind of become bent and it has a bias and it has an investment in seeing things a certain way. It has an investment in looking at whether it's whatever, a certain way. And a lot of that just doesn't serve you. And a lot of that's just feeding this identity that you have that you formed without access to your spiritual nature so what we're doing is we're just kind of putting all that to the side and we're allowing you to get access to spiritual wisdom again and then rebuild a new identity with with that does that make sense yep so you know just set the calendar and just say you know this is my first day and all you got to do is just do three a day for 40 days it's it takes five minutes it's really not that big of a deal, but to that part of you that's yeah. really afraid of changing or letting go of control, because really what you're really saying is that the, the, the avatar is on high alert right now and it doesn't want us to have any more access to our spiritual nature because that means it has less control over your creative will. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. <clears throat> and so all, and, and so the avatar is still in control. You're in control. Like it, my avatar is still in control. It's just a different avatar. I still, when I do my prayers, I'm praying to my authentic higher self because I'm never going to be my authentic higher self. I'm always going to have my avatar influencing me, my ego, whatever you want to call that. I'm never going to be out of the body and not instincts. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll have my body. That's me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But let's, yeah, just try to make a commitment to that because I feel like, well, I don't feel but I mean, once you move into the alignment mantras, you know, um, and you start bringing the prayer into it and the prayer is what really does it right now. It's just you because you have to say like, you know what, I'm making a decision to start like living life on these other set, these in the living life in these other possibilities that are being introduced, but only I can introduce them to my brain. Only I can ready my mind to receive those possibilities. And that's why they're called possibility mantras. And after you move on and then you start bringing yourself into alignment with them and you invite your spiritual nature, you invite your higher power in to help you with that. That's really when it kicks in because prayer is so powerful, but right now it's between you and your brain. God can't rescue you from these patterns you've created. Right. God's not, that's not God's job. You've, you can create whatever you want. God can, when I've recognized a habit pattern as being super duper uh, self-defeating and undermining, like my cigarette smoking habit pattern, I saw, oh, wow, like I can't be vulnerable. I can't express how I feel. I can't do that. I keep pacifying myself with cigarettes. I can't sing. I can't do any music. I just keep smoking these cigarettes. It's going to say I died from cigarette smoking, but really it's from me not expressing myself and not having any communication power, power of communication. So when I recognize that, I, you know, seven and eight, I humbly asked him to remove this shortcoming. I don't want this habit pattern. I just love being a singer rather than a smoker. Then the higher power can pull that out. But I have to demonstrate. I'm like, I've hit a bottom with this. I don't want to fucking smoke anymore, God. Yeah, but these you don't need to do that with these you can hold on to them as long as you want because in little moments as you move forward four years into the practice four and a half years where I'm right now they're just different now in a moment a little part of it dies off and another part of my authentic self comes forward it happens so slowly that my trauma avatar is never triggered I don't need to go back on that 
That's the point of it. Because I, 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 things would come so fast for me before that I would just get freaked out. And then my avatar would just like react and I would just like sabotage because it would want control. It didn't want to die. It didn't want to let go of control. This way it never dies. It just transforms. It's transmutation that's happening here. It never dies. So I think we're good for today. But it's like at the end of the day, it's totally up to you. I mean, these are great conversations we have and we're, you know, I love working with you and, and there's no any pressure with me. It's not like I need you to do a certain thing in order for whatever, whatever. These, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have you in my life in whatever capacity and we're helping each other. So that, you know, don't feel any pressure from that. Just know that it's, it's, uh, it'll happen when it happens. There's no, yeah. there's no rush, but just can't, don't get loaded. Right. Don't get loaded and don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Right. How have you been doing with that real quick? Before Good. I'm still freaking sober. Is this the longest you've been sober? Uh, no. I had two years at one point. Oh, that's right. You had like two years or 18 months? Uh, 20 months. It was like a year and nine months, I guess. Yeah, a year and nine months. That's the most I've had, by the way. Yeah. I, the most I've ever had was 21 months. Yeah, so... And I'm coming up on that. June, yeah. July, August. Yeah, so I've got like... Couple more months to get a year, Just right? Just two, yeah. I think two months and a couple days. You said August twenty eighth, right? Um, so you have like two months yeah. and six days. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know what you should do? <clears throat> well, we're not at August. When this comes up, you can write it on the board. But this is a very different year of recovery for you. It is. It is very different. It feels. Um, it feels different. It is very different. Because you seem like, I mean, just from an observer outside, it seems like you're getting a little bit more solid as we move along as opposed to like, I don't know how things were for you. Yeah. It seems that yeah, to me. I don't know what's going I mean, on inside you. but I, I think internally I'm still very, I can still be very up and down. But sure. as far as like external stuff goes, um, it's okay. I haven't destroyed any relationships yet <laughs> you know i haven't uh blown up at family members or torn people apart with my like extra analytical mind which is something i used to love to do mm -hmm. i would just wait and gather all the information i could on someone and then at the right time when they ticked me off enough i would come at them and just tear them apart you know, with do you find yourself wanting to do that though? Do you have the little list? Do you have little post-its in your mind of things like where you're kind of I doing do, that? Um, I do. I still you. Track. Still can, yeah, I do keep you know? track, but I don't have this like. Uh, there are moments. There are moments, but I don't get. I don't. I haven't gotten to that point okay. where I feel the need to do that to anybody. Um, yeah, cool. I'm not, I'm doing okay, I think. I just, I do feel myself getting a little complacent here and there. Um, as as more time have, has passed, mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, like, especially after desperation and things like your sobriety in the program is like number one priority and yes. takes almost 100% of your focus. And I think as time has gone on, you know, I took the time to have to be able to do that and have that be 100% of my focus. And it's just like little things have reintroduced themselves 
um, work, relationships, living situation. I want to read the last part of this again. Without addressing the mental thought patterns that triggered us into our relapse, we are a time bomb that slowly ticks away. Yeah. It is only a matter of time until something else, something desired yet insanely threatening triggers the cycle all over again. Now, this could also say until something, you know, I mean, it's all communication with you, it seems like. It's all, right? Right or no? I mean, as far as like the, the, the things that trigger you back into like your relapse. I mean, if you're able to recognize those things when they come up and you're able to. Yeah. I mean, there is like, there is moments where the, like the urge, um, the desire mm -hmm. is, comes up very quickly. Um, but it's not this long lasting thing. I do. I have had some moments where I've been like a little bit, you know, you almost tease yourself with the notion of like, huh, like I, maybe I could do that type of thing. But it's not like it was before, um, and hopefully it won't get like that. So, well, I guess what I was sure. saying is, is like in in time inside your own mind, the roller coaster, the up and down thing. If that gets, it's that part that causes you to use. Yeah, and so and it's not anything like it used to be. Right. Um, even at my moments of like what I would consider extremely high spiritual connection. There was still major, um, major triggers and major un undealt with trauma and interference. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would come up, and there are still things that come up, but it's. I feel like it's not as drastic. You know, gotcha. it's a. It's enough to give me a little bump on the head and recognize, like, oh, that is something <laughs> I don't like. You know? Yeah. Um, we got I don't know, one. Maybe we, I'm just maturing a little bit. I don't know. I hope so. I yeah, I hope so. I'm not. I don't feel like an angry teenager that needs to throw a brick through the window. You know. So I do. We'll see. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, guys, thanks so much. That's over. We got like a minute, so I'm just gonna wrap it up. Yep. Awesome. Until next time. Thanks so much. And uh, if you're in the LA area, hit us up. Addressing the cause at gmail.com. Peace.